0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update, providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 and now, here is your host of Lincoln on Lending, David Lincoln.
2: Good to have you all with us, everybody. Appreciate you dialing in. It is Monday, April 11th. Another year's racing by, and we're excited to have you be a part of what we're doing. And there is... Uh... We're working with some interesting uh, equipment again today. We're back at the office, but my headset and my travels last week to the tech show appears to have malfunctioning, so if it sounds a little bit different, it's uh, my apologies. But anyway, it's good to have you with us. We appreciate you tuning in to today's uh, program. We have as our hot topic. Innovative or you know, disruption, digital disruption and innovation. It's going to be a really interesting topic. I was texting uh, back and forth with Andy Shell, and we were talking about different titles on this. He said, digital disruption gets my attention, Dave. So I'm um, glad to uh, get that validation. But it's good to have you with us, everybody. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals. And we are the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation awards. As we're talking about innovation, we're doing something that's innovative in the marketplace, and it's getting a lot of attention. In fact, we just got – I'm really excited. We've got Ed Golding, who's the acting uh, secretary uh, for FHA, going to be coming on the radio program, is talking to his assistant uh, just on Friday. So we booked that. So real excited. Uh, and we've got Fannie Mae coming on. It's really amazing how this radio program has really started connecting with a large audience. And and also, anyone who has a new piece of technology is writing me saying, can I get on your program? I want to talk about what's going on. So we appreciate you making this all possible, increasing the visibility. And it's really by word of mouth. So thank you so much. I also want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. A special goes, thank you goes out to ArchMI, which is the uh, creator of the Innovative Raid Star Program. I love that innovation that they have. You said, is Anything innovative happening inside of the world of boring mortgage insurance? Well, the answer is yes, it is, a, it is, and we're going to be uh, hearing more of a little bit about that here in just a little bit. Also, I want to say thank you to Motivity Solutions. Talk to them at the technology conference. They are bouncing back from the unbelievable loss of hard still hard to believe that todd sherman is no longer with us um the tech guy that's really the brilliance behind a lot of that but they have some strong depth and bench strength they are back they're strong and uh, they're using this as a rallying point um, not that they they were already rallying pretty strong, but they're doing that uh, around uh, Todd's passing, and they're really going to purpose to make this to be the most exciting piece of technology and necessary technology in the marketplace. And again, if you're not familiar, Motivity Solutions they're the leading business, intelligent technology in the nation, providing real-time reporting, dashboards, and scorecards. A little bit more, and they provide us a KPI of the week. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on. Also, Velma, which stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistance. They're dedicating to help you build stronger more profitable relationships. And they have the wonderful Set It and Forget It program, as well as what I do, and that is impromptu, on-the-fly, last-minute programs, and they do a good job of getting it out. Brent Emler and the team there are just outstanding. I encourage you to contact them. Reach out to them through their website, Velma, dot com. Also, our, one of our newer sponsors is Simplifile. Very happy to have them with us. Met Nancy Alley at the conference. Uh, I tell you, that is, an, that is quite an impressive group of people that they have there. And I see who's working behind the scenes. Uh, we had Don Lamp. He's their attorney that works with them. I mean, he's their, one of the attorneys that advises them, but really has done a good job working with them. Uh, also, one of my new associates, Brenda Clem, works closely with them. Very exciting piece of technology in this post-trid world where timing is of essence. You know, waiting for an email, folks, is just Old school. Now you can work in a collaborative, real-time way: chat, messaging, sending documents, sharing, and receiving, validating documents. All the things necessary to get a closing done successfully, you can now do through Simplify technology. Very cool stuff. Check them out at Simplify S I M P L I F I L E dot com, or call them at one eight hundred four six zero fifty six fifty seven. Of course, I want to say thank you to Alice, Andy, Joe and Paul, and Sam, and everyone else who dials in to make this program possible. Upcoming conferences, uh, we have the National Advocacy Conference uh, starting tomorrow in Washington, D.C. Also, we have the Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance, May 1st through the 4th. Uh, That is in Denver, and we have the May 15th through the 18th, the National Secondary Marketing Conference. We'll be doing a live broadcast from there, as well as we have the Chairman's Conference, in June or June 5th through the 8th. Check these conferences out. That Chairman's Conference is really a great conference. Some really good thought leaders there. Some of the top people in the industry gather around that. It's a very small, more intimate meeting, and you get to meet industry leaders. I recommend that. That's going to be at the Breakers in Palm Beach, Florida. Great group of people, and um, we appreciate the MBA and all they're doing to help this industry. Also, while you're at the website, MBA's website, checking out MBA Conferences in Education. Check out Mortgage Action Alliance. Sign up for it. Very powerful tool. Joe Farr, good to have you with us, my friend, and I appreciate you. I love your service, Joe. When I'm traveling, I'm using that mobile app just constantly. I leave it up, That's checking good. the markets. And any meeting I'm in, I'm just on I you keep me on top of what's going on. Speaking of what's going on, give us an update.
3: Well, we're close to um close to break even on the day. We we have been lower and we, we recovered uh most of the earlier losses were just down 130 second on the day right now and we have seen some favorable price changes come through already because uh, soon after we opened uh, we we fell uh, a bit as stocks improved and MBS fell but uh, MBS has recovered and fortunately stocks have not lost too much so uh, uh, yeah. good when both are are in the right direction yes unusual no no economic data this morning in fact this week has very little I'll talk about that in a minute but you know, last weekday was another very good week for mortgage rates. That's right. MBS prices improved another 8, nine, thirty 30 seconds. Mortgage rates fell another three or four basis points. Uh, uh, the Freddie Mac survey that came out on Thursday uh, reflected the lowest rates since uh, sometime in 2013. Uh, and prices improved after the time the survey, survey was taken. So, uh, uh, again, very, very low rates were about 40 basis points lower than when we started the year. So it's a yeah, good time. Encouraging. Good time
2: for mortgage banking.
3: Uh-huh. There was uh little economic data last week. Uh, most of what pushed the market last week came from central bankers. Uh, the IMF Managing Director, Christine Lagarde, uh, said that the uh, Eurozone economy is too slow. It's too fragile. The uh ECB president Mario Draghi said the ECB stands ready to do whatever it takes again he said that before uh and he's uh pledged to stimulate growth and and create inflation he's called on the european governments to do more to stimulate growth so uh, and then the US Fed confirmed that the uh, the position of the the Fed is to be slow and gradual in in its rate growth so all those were indications that more help's needed that uh uh, inflation is not likely uh, an issue in the near term, and, and that's been good for mortgage rates. Very, yeah, very encouraging. The economic data last week that did come out really wasn't bad. It was uh, ISM yeah. services uh, beat expectations. Jolt's, Jolt's report showed uh, a good number of job openings, and the quit rate was still high, so both signs of, of an improving uh, labor market. And uh, jobless claims fell. So, uh, what did come out was really okay. And in spite of that, MBS prices improved. Now, this week's calendar, Dave, is uh, a little more has some more significant items on it. Retail sales comes out along with PPI on Wednesday, and then CPI on Thursday, and industrial production on Friday. And then we've got the treasury auctions Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The the tenure auctions on on Wednesday. So uh, that could be a market moving event. And then we have a lot of Fed speakers uh on the calendar this week. So um I always interested guys, to hear uh,
2: what they're gonna you know they they, they yeah. get us all confused as much as they do anything. They all talk uh, and then they're even even some of the dovish ones are starting to sound hawkish and then and then Janet Yellen comes out there and says, No, nah, don't worry guys. I I'm still a, I'm I'm still here at the helm so it's like it'll be interesting. Could cause yeah, it volatility will. though. That is. That's very, very possible. Well, if you have volatility, who could be your best friend in volatility? Do you know? MBS Quoteline. Volatility is an opportunity to pick up market share, pick, I mean, pick up some gains here and there. But if you are look flying by blind, folks, you don't have that opportunity. Check out MBS Quoteline. You want to learn how to get signed up? Listen to this message. We'll be right back with Paul Mallo after this brief break.
1: Looking for that competitive edge? mbsquoteline.com, mbsquoteline.com, 646-716-4972, the Lickin on Lending Show is back, here is your host, David Lickin,
2: good to have you with us, and it's also good to have Paul Mallow joining us, Paul, good to hear, Uh, good to to know that you're there, how are you doing?
4: I'm good, can you hear me?
2: I do, now I hear you loud and clear, sorry about that, it's amazing all this stuff works, Paul, it's just. Flipping amazing because we're working with technology, voice over IP, everything's digital, and we're dialing in. any of our guests di- is dialing in from Copenhagen uh, today. So it, it, is, uh, it it's just amazing how this all works. But it does. Another thing that works is the imfnews.com website. Great information up there. And I'm kind of interested in some of the stories that you're tracking here, so let's get right into it, folks. If you're not signed up for the IMFnews.com letter, the newsletter, it lands in your inbox every day. It's good stuff, excellent. So let's run through the stories you're tracking, Paul.
4: Sure. I mean, listen. One of the big, of the biggies uh, is the Maryland PHH news. Apparently, Merrill's basically told uh, uh, PHHs that they're not going to use them as their uh, private label originator on some of their business, not all of it quite yet, but there's hints that trouble is ahead. And keep in mind that Merrill accounts for something like 20 to 25 percent of PHH's annual origination. So, you know, you can do the math here. Uh, but the bigger news, in my mind, and we, we sort of knew this was happening with the origination private label contract, we knew something was up. But the bigger news is they're, they're telling them to get lost on the subservicing piece, too. Uh, and to me, that's yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, uh, yeah. a chunk of uh, mortgages that um, PHH is subservicing for Merrill. I mean, and it's really not uh, surprising in a way because Bank of America, of course, owns Merrill Lynch. And, you know, we've been hearing for the last year that B, B of A would love to have that business. Uh, and it looks like PHH has tried to hang on to at least some of it. Uh, the stock, by the way, is getting clobbered this morning, was down 15% before I got on the air with you guys. Uh, and we know PHH is now looking at their so-called strategic uh, opportunities, which is sort of code word for, you know, we're open for offers on, on the company. Uh, and this is just, to me, has been one of the more fascinating stories the last two years on, on publicly traded mortgage companies. Uh, it's We don't know what the future holds for PHH, but uh, you, you have to wonder if it's going to be broken up into pieces and then sold or sold to someone else at a really cheap price. and uh, Anyway, fascinating
2: story. Lots of reason for speculation based on this news, yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, we keep track of some of these peer-to-peer lenders that are playing in the mortgage space. There's one called SoFi. That's the one everyone knows. The yep. company came out called Lending Home. Brandon Ivey of our, um, of our West Coast operation, our senior editor out there, he came up with a story about lending home, saying that the largest uh, peer-to-peer or marketplace mortgage lender out there, they've done 550 million. Keep in mind, these these peer-to-peer lenders do not use warehouse lines credit. They use you know rich investors, uh, people money they raise over the internet. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the development of these uh, peer-to-peer or marketplace lenders and how they uh, grow volume in the mortgage industry. Uh, the, the other big story, which broke Friday after the market closed, a lot of the press went home for the evening, and then, of course, DOJ puts out their little announcement Friday afternoon that Wells Fargo's entered into a whopping $1.2 billion settlement on over FHA claims, <laughs> FHA underwriting. You know, I, this has happens to us so often, where on a Friday afternoon some, you know, government agency or even private lenders put out this big announcement, you know, right after, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the we all hit the yeah. yabba-dabba-doo and we're heading out like, with Fred. <laughs> we're in Miller time, yep. Yeah, and then, and then they put out these press releases <laughs> on big news. Anyway, $1.2 billion. We knew these. the parties were talking. There was talk that Wells might countersue. That never happened. Uh, the big one everyone's going to be watching is what Quicken does. Quicken first yes. pers- uh, sued. And then uh, HUD and uh, HUD IG and DOJ sued Quicken over uh, FHA, underwriting, FHA underwriting practices. That's the big one. Everyone's going to watch to see what happens on that case. But the Wells thing is, is quite interesting, $1.2 billion. Wells obviously has the money, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in FHA lending going forward. Uh, Ginny Mae market, uh, there was a little bit of a slump in Ginnie Mae issuance. Uh, in the first quarter, we were tracking that through our newsletter, uh, Inside FHA VA Lending. and you know, nothing huge. It uh, will be interesting to see what happens to that market going forward. Uh, you know, rates are dropping. Purchase money's is uh, picking up, so uh, keep an eye on that. Fifth Third has got a sale on HELOC, so we just thought that was kind of interesting. 1.99% introductory rate, but they're looking at pretty high FICO's to get that rate, uh, something in the range, I think, of at least 750 You can take out... Up to half a million dollars, uh, and the short take section. Uh, just as we were going to press, we threw in there the Goldman Sachs MBS settlement with the Department of Justice. That's 5.06 billion. Again, that's tied to their subprime securitibas- excuse me, securitization business. It has nothing to do with FHA. But you know, listen. In the time span of three days, you have you know private lenders paying out uh, you know something like uh, six billion dollars to Uncle Sam over past mortgage.
2: Billion. Yeah, yeah, billion. Yeah, well, that is, and, and we wonder why there's why we don't see more lenders coming in. I'm really interested in the peer-to-peer. I mean, I wonder if there's not going to this this type of onerous penalties coming out lenders uh, is is going to just fling that door open. So it's going to be that's, that's really interesting. Uh, what what this could all be. Yeah, I, I don't that's know what peer-to-peer
4: lenders. That's that's a topic for debate. I mean, uh, there's a lot of non-banks either picked up. You know, big market share in FHA that the banks have ceded You know, I, for one, don't think peer-to-peer lenders are going to be the future of the mortgage industry. Maybe I'm uh, a wild hare in that regard. Uh, but listen, the first time a peer-to-peer yeah. lender gets hit with an FHA or Fannie Freddie buyback claim, you know, these guys are not heavily capitalized. You know, no, it's it's no. going to be game over. At least that's my opinion.
2: Well, I I, I agree. And, And well, that's where I have been thinking. But then you look over this last week and you want Elon Musk, SpaceX gets into the space program, successfully lands on a barge in heavy seas out in the ocean, lands a rocket. And you go, huh, we only thought the government could get involved in this game. It makes you do wonder what disruption is coming on out there, going to be going on out there, and at what rate and what is behind it. It's going to be interesting. I mean, so I'm glad you're tracking this stuff. A lot of people just think it – just totally discredit it, but they discredit Elon Musk. So, you know. Well, yes, that well that's, that, you know,
4: that, he's a whole topic of conversation as well. I mean, <laughs> brilliant guy. Uh, how do you make money in, in, in the SpaceX program, though? That's what I, I'd like. Well, I need to his, look at the business his, model.
2: His, his, his uh, famous quote, Paul, is how to make a small fortune in the, in the aerospace start with a large fortune. Right on. <laughs> I think that's exactly He's it. Gonna How a a He's going to need a large portion. He's going to need a But, you know, he may get the NASA contracts. But, I mean, I keep bringing this back to the disruption that's out there, which, of course, is our uh, topic in the Hot topic segment. We've got, uh, you know, Peter Frober again, dialing in from Denmark. So I'm really looking forward to hearing all about the possibilities. There were some interesting things that came out of the conference. But, Paul, it's really good to have you be a part of this. And I just love your, your website. And, if listeners, you're not signed up for IMF News uh, Daily to get that in your inbox. You're missing it. Missing some great news and the things that are happening. He's in motion, and he has it covered. Whatever in motion, Paul and the team are covering. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it.
4: Thank you. Have a good week.
2: Greet everybody there. You too, my friend. Thanks. All right, let's right. run over to Alice Alvey. Alice, missed you at the tech conference. You bailed out there at the last minute. Hated to see that happen, but, you know, we, I was wanting you in the booth there with me at the DNH booth when we did the broadcast live. It was really a lot of fun, but I know you're at home because you're really, really busy. So good to have you with us.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, busy with all this technology implementation, and we had such a great team there with our sales team. You did. Oh, they didn't need me. Yeah, that was a they They were happy that I could stay back and keep things uh rolling so the the place technology, yeah, that we have rolling out now, so I'm excited to talk with Peter about that but so, to get yeah. right to my my legislative update here, folks, um I think probably the biggest thing that I want to make sure that you uh get your hands on is there was a letter from the Association of Mortgage Investors that uh, was directed to Director Richard Cordray of the CFPB, of course, and gave some very detailed examples of the types of errors that investors, or, and you're dealing with it, right? A lot of lenders out there are dealing with the loans that are getting kicked back due to TRID violations, but they're really just minor things, and a lot of them have to do with rounding. And you know what you're experiencing, This letter really helps outline, um, A, where the liability concerns are and that you know, um, CFPB coming out and saying, hey, don't worry about it, we're not going to cite you, really doesn't help us in the legal world where it still is a lot of uh, lack of clarity on really what a lender or investors will be held responsible for potentially in class action suits. So this write-up, if you can't get your hands on it, um, feel free to send an email to us. It's the Association of Mortgage Investors. Was a letter dated March 30th to Richard Cordray. And if you go to those back pages, because you know this stuff's so fun to read, right? Everybody just <laughs> we're, tell me the clip notes. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Okay. We all
2: want clip notes. notes, yep.
0: <laughs> right. So the cliff notes are, you know, the body of the letter is about things that we've all been concerned about in trying to understand the care provisions. Uh, does it go 60 days from consummation or 60 days from discovery? What kind of errors are really to be considered material? And they've attached several pages in the back that define frequent LE and CD defects that they're trying to get classified. So for those of you who aren't sure, you know, what is that list of uncertainties this is a great summary of that that you should be reviewing at your companies. Make sure that you can solve for some of these. Make sure you're not committing these errors. But then also, you know, track this with us, um, lender support, so that we can get this clarified. Um, another thing that, to make sure that everybody's watching is all the HMDA observations that are coming out. We're finding a lot of companies need to do a scrub on their prior HMDA data so they know exactly where they stand. Because, you know, today we're just simply, you know, looking at census track data. Tomorrow it's going to be property-level comparison information. Uh, today we look kind of at a peer level, right, that um, you see data as a group. Well, what's going to happen is we're going to get a lot more drilling down into underwriting and policy decisions because those credit scores are going to be on there. Um, so there's going to be a very significant change in how the data is analyzed, how accurate it must be. So, um, just a heads up to everybody that if you haven't started your hum to scrubbing projects, uh, that needs to be on your list today to work on. Um, one quick note, I want to make sure we have enough time for Peter Dave, is uh, state legislative issues are something that you should all pay attention to. Everybody has their state. They do a lot of business in maybe They multiple states. We found in the state of Michigan, they just were able to pass a law to get rid of, yes, reduce the paperwork on a loan. <laughs> so, wow. So, yeah, so we took the CF, we took the new rule, the tree rule, and said, look, everything you guys have been asking us to cover through these other two disclosures, borrow bill of rights, and a couple others, are covered now with the new LE and So can we scrap these forms? Forms? We got a yes. So we have actually reduced
2: forms. Good news! Forms. Way
0: to go! Yeah. Wow! Use that yeah.
2: as a template. So, Michigan is getting progressive. <laughs> the lights are on <laughs> and someone's home. Well,
0: good stuff. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I recommend that all of you get involved at your state level so that you can, you know, at least maybe make some improvement at that level for different state disclosures. So go ahead. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, you can't,
2: yeah, and that's really the point is you can make a difference. People don't think they can, but the fact, you know, there there there's some really good lenders up there in Michigan, and they are active in, and and that's just not accepting the status quo. So kudos. Very good, Niles. Appreciate it. Missed having you at the conference, but it's good to have you here. Look forward to getting together with you hopefully soon again. Love being around all that you're doing. You've got a lot of technology going on. I do want to hear about it. In fact, we're probably going to dedicate a program to some of the technology that we're seeing going on, some of which is what you've got going. So love that very much. Let's see here. We, folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break. If you want to learn more about Mortgage U and uh, Indicom, stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you
1: have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support portfolio, conventional or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge.
2: Yeah, it's good to have you with us, everybody. Normally, we'd jump over to Sam Garcia. He wrote me, said he cannot join us today. So I wish Sam everyone the best, and his, the team there at Mortgage uh, Daily the best. Uh, if you have not checked out their website, do so. Looking at some of the headlines right now, Quicken Loans, Appeals, the uh, Labor Board. Paul talked a little bit about that, but there's a, a good article there. Uh, then you start looking at all the stuff that's on this website, mortgage rates uh, sync. Uh, we've talked about some of that, but... You know, it's it's the angles which that that are in what uh, Mortgage Daily covers that I think are just so significant. The data that they have available, the analytics that they have, uh, and some of the reporting is just really something I'm pointing all of my clients to. Check it out. I've never had anyone disappointed when they get out and check what's going on at Mortgage Daily. Uh, so check it out at MortgageDaily.com. Andy Shell, always fun to have you. On the radio, when you're not traveling, the, you, the Profit Doctor is a kind of services in hot demand. We just don't get to have you on quite as often, but when you are here, it's a real joy, my friend. Good to hear from well, you. Well, Dave, I
5: wish I could be with you at some of these conferences. It sounds like it would be a lot of fun.
2: It would be. I'd love to have you joining out, all of us around. the. You should see the DNH booth. You're a sound guy and equipment guy. In fact, I've learned anything and everything I learn about equipment, I've learned from you and uh you would have kind of you would have been proud of me i i i we hooked up some pretty major amount of equipment and it all worked it all pretty much all worked there's a couple of things that were weren't quite right but it was uh, i wish you could have been there to join us at the table it's pretty cool We've got all these boom mics going everywhere on air I was, you know the on air radio thing is up there, and, and lights, action, it, it was all there. But anyway, let's talk a little yeah. bit about what you're seeing as far as what the profit doctor's perspective is on what's going on in the marketplace. Um, are you? One of the questions someone had wrote me, and another person walked up to me and he said, I'd love to have Andy talk about what is he seeing as far as it relates to profit margins. Are they contracting in this market, or what's going on with the bottom line? Do you have any sense of I know you have a sense of that because you work with a lot of people in that area. So,
5: Sheriff, your thoughts, right? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. And it's all over the place. The 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 folks that have been running higher margins are continuing to run higher margins. Those with lower margins are trying to get their margins up, but it's it's been a struggle. Some of it is the the relationship between the the efficiently deploying infrastructure versus the volume that it supports. Because adding just one person adds a fixed amount of cost, and in order for that fixed cost to be allocated among a broader production pool means that each loan's cost is less. So it's the whole relationship between fixed cost and variable cost. And that's hurting a lot of people because the, the minimum infrastructure is growing. Uh, just listening to, to the call today with things you've got to watch for, things you've got to pay attention to, <laughs> Alice was talking about the new Honda scrub. Well, okay, who's going to do that? So we talk on the show, you yeah, know, be sure you've done this. And I've got some things I'm going to talk about. About Be sure you've done this. And, and the question becomes, well, okay, who in my organization is going to do that? Because, you know, we, we want to only add people that add to the production operation. We don't right. like having a bunch of operational people. And so and really, unless you're pushing billions of dollars a year, I hate to say it, but the, the smaller guy is going to continue to get squeezed because of the uh, regulatory compliance pressure. And that's just a, a reality that I, I see in the coming years. We've, we, they can be nimble and lean, uh, but you've got to also do all the things Alice says you got to do. So go back and, you know, I was just thinking, a rabbit trail here, Dave. If you were to go back and listen to the show and, and take the – Four or five points that you or Joe or Alice or I or or, or you know, Paul or Sam say each week, and just write those down and follow them, and then figure out did I do what LOL said, did I do what Lickin' on Lending said, and track that each month. I think you'd make great strides in understanding what your business needs to be, and then how to get there. But as we transition to uh, yeah, so Dave, as we transition to technology, I wanted to uh, do one real quick ad. For MBA education, we've got webinars coming up in, in June on servicing, subservicing, and technology, return on investment. So watch for those coming in the future. And now on technology, and I can't wait to hear Peter's comments about the digital disruption. Because when you think about digital disruption, the other side of that is innovation, innovation leads to digital disruption and i love innovation i know you do as well dave we we have a great time just walking through the technology store and i always <laughs> want to hear okay dave what's the latest app you know because he's always trying everything
1: yeah, that's fun, that, right? it,
5: it,
2: well, it drives the as we when we we've been worked together, you know how it can drive the technology folks crazy because I'm downloading the greatest. Has it been? He said, Dave, but has that been tested? You may want to wait a few weeks. And boy, there's the <laughs> wisdom and learning timing, Andy. That, that's that's I picked up on that. So you know my yeah. impetuous, pulse of the tendency, and you're 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 more steady. Uh, I think we'll let that stay out there for a little while longer before we have to do that phone update. So
5: but well, that's wisdom. I think be, that really, yeah. Go ahead. It's fun to be the beta. It's fun to be the beta, and and we both love the beta. <laughs> I just don't like when it messes other stuff up. Um, yeah. But speaking of speaking of beta, we're past beta on some of this stuff, and, and you know, like today, right. talk about digital digital disruption, and which is in my in my view is also innovation, which is it's exciting and scary all at the same time. And so my, my point is, I was just online earlier today, reconfiguring one of my credit cards to send me an alert when a certain charge was applied and you know i get on my phone right now today i get updates on my credit card activity my i'm with usaa they send me a note to see if my insurance payments do or even my home alarm system tells me if it turned off or turned on or if a certain door was open and all that just pops on my phone so with all of this technology and if, if you think about it from mortgage banking aside from the production side let's just talk about it from Mortgage Company Management. So I'm I'm sitting in the CEO chair. Wouldn't it be awesome if every morning I got on my iPhone an alert that popped up, it just shows up, and it's it's my daily CEO dashboard, and it shows yeah. me my, my cash flow forecast for 40 days, my loans and my loan held for sale that are over 25 days, my, my warehouse line availability, you know, trending pipeline, trending closings, just some. You know, fairly basic stuff, but every morning right there on my phone, you know, the the sad reality is that a lot of companies don't do that in any form. You know, they don't even generate a report, period, much less send it to an iPhone. So everybody, I know a lot of originators are focused on apps and building apps for production, and I think that's awesome, and we need to have that. But we also need an app for management. So if you need help getting the information, give me a call. You need help figuring out the app, give Dave a call. We'll get it figured out. If you want to work,
2: and if you want to figure out, uh uh-oh, I downloaded the app and something screwed up, then call Andy because he's the one that's had to bail me out many a time. That's really important. I think the cost factor is something you really bring up. And I don't know that a lot of people are factoring that in, Andy, into this. Now, the bigger companies are obviously looking at that. We're all asking the question, but how much are you measuring? And, folks, if you're having a struggle measuring and really monitoring this, there is nobody better you can call than the Profit Doctor, better known as Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions. Andy, thanks so much here for being with us. You're, really appreciate it.
5: You're so kind, Dave. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure.
2: Always a pleasure to have you here. And uh, now let's move over. Speaking of PIs and key performance indicators, dashboards, you opened up a perfect opportunity to really talk about the latest KPI of the week from Motivity Solutions with John Maynell. Let's get over to hear what the KPI of the week is. Trying to get it started here. Let's see. There Hi, Dave. Go. Thanks All very right.
6: much. Great to be back. And this week's key performance indicator is application to underwriting cycle time. This KPI is a measurement delivered at business days, and tracking this metric helps lenders ensure that their processes upstream from underwriting are as efficient as they can be. Our clients generally find that the sooner their qualified borrowers receive an underwriting decision, the less likely those borrowers are to shop around. So this KPI can ultimately boost app-to-funded pull-through as well, which is the KPI we focused on last week. So we're really beginning to connect the dots between operational efficiency and customer satisfaction. And once again this and other KPIs we will be talking about in the coming weeks always demonstrate that what gets measured gets results. And uh with that I will thank you again Dave and turn it back to you.
2: Thanks John appreciate it uh you know uh... They have got so many of these that are out there that I just want you to pay attention to. It's one of the values that I love about this radio. We can get a whole bunch of them stacked up and hit the play button. I want to say a special thank you to John Maynell and all the folks there at Motivity Solutions and just wish them the best in the weeks and days ahead after the loss of Todd Sherman. We honor him and bless him. But Of course, Tyler's there, still going strong along with the whole team. Check it out, MotivitySolutions.com, or go to their website. That that is their website. We'll call them at 303 And also, we sit and look at innovation that's going on. We have uh, Jim Jump with ArchMI talking about their latest rate star innovation program. Let's hear about that.
6: Hello, David, and thanks for having me on the program. Today I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive rate program. It's called ArchMI RateStar, and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide our most competitive rates match precisely with your borrower. RateStar is now available, and all you need is your NMLS number to start using RateStar today. RateStar allows for our customers to obtain our most competitive rate for each loan they insure with ArchMI, and in many cases with considerable savings over traditional rate card pricing. Mortgage originators are letting us know that they like how easy it is to access RateStar, just how easy it is to use, and they really like the innovative design. RateStar is available to our customers via ArchMI's website at archmi.com or archmicu.com for credit unions. And the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and product and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you for the time.
2: It's always a pleasure to have you on, Jim. Appreciate it so much. Let's run over to uh, – we're going to go across the pond, and we're going to head all the way over to Copenhagen, Denmark. And we're inviting onto the radio program Peter Froberg. He's been, he was a guest in 2014 talking about Freeman. But today, we're really going to be getting into talking about digital disruption. And uh, while freemium is a part of that, that's a small segment of it, it's a much broader topic, and it is something that is alive and well today. Peter, good to have you with us.
7: Good to be here, David.
2: I'm glad to hear we're able to get the technology working across there. It is amazing, Peter, when you look at all the technology that's out there. Uh, how we can dial in? I have I have my virtual assistant who lives in the Philippines. I talk to him. Do uh, uh, screen sharing. I do video conferencing, and it's and it's crystal clear. Uh, I, I have other programmers I work with across the country, it's, uh, across the world, and the globe. And it's just amazing through what how, how we can connect, and we are so much of a connected society. But for those that are, did not get to listen to you in 2014, let's give everyone an update. Tell them, our listeners a little bit about yourself, and then I want to get into digital disruption. So a little bit about yourself, Peter.
7: Yeah, um, as you mentioned, I live in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. I have uh, quite a few clients in the States, so it's uh, no coincidence that I ran into you a couple of years ago. Um, Basically, for the last 8 to 10 years, I've been working on looking at the way business models are impacted through uh, new technology, new business models that become possible. And for a while, I focused primarily on, on freemium, which most people know from the apps on their phone or a program like Skype, which is basically the ability to have a program you can use for free and then have a premium upgrade. Uh, the reason that's interesting is because these new business models become enabled by new technology. And today we're focusing on the much broader topic, this disruption coming on, this new technology, what is, what's happening? And um, it was great. You guys earlier were talking about innovation or disruption, and there's a lot of, of, of buzzwords and, and, and mix, mix of what, what do you use for it. I think well, a great yeah, – I mean, go ahead, David.
2: Yeah, that's, it's absolutely the case, and I think I mean I want to tell our guests you are not a mortgage lender, and you don't have any background and much more background, but you have some experience with it. You've studied it, and you and, and we've been preparing for this broadcast for a while now, talking about this, and you've done an excellent job of doing some research uh, in the industry. So while you're not an expert in mortgage lending, you are the part one of the things I enjoy most about our conversations, Peter, is the the you're, you like myself love studying business um, business models and and look at where is the disruption coming from how can you what's going to take them out and i just i just love the way your brain works and how you function uh, and how you operate and you do speak a lot here in america at conferences and we're teaming up you and i are teaming up to bring a lot of this innovation discussion uh, into the state. So I'm very excited to be working with you in the future. But let's start off by talking. A lot of people say digital disruption. It sounds like a soundbite, but I'm not sure people are really understanding what that means. And I know the prophet doctor does because he studies this stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to get into understanding what do you mean when you say, use the term digital disruption, and why is it so relevant today?
7: So, um, great question, David. I think that what happens at some point is that technology changes to a degree that the terms for competing or acting in a certain market radically changes. It happened in the transportation market with the arrival of the locomotive and the trains later on with the arrival of the car, that the terms for competing radically changed. So the old business models, the old companies, the old jobs that existed in the old world no longer exists. So you, this new force comes in and disrupts the world of what was. And I think that's what is the difference between disruption and innovation. If you look at where innovation is, maybe the difference between an iPhone 5 and an iPhone 6, where the idea of a smartphone in itself comes in and disrupts a lot of areas, where a lot of things that weren't possible before becomes possible. And in a lot of areas, this changes industries. It changes jobs and companies.
2: I think there's, there's one example that you talked about that I think is, is so quotable, and it was the CEO of Nokia. Tell that story and, and that famous quote that he has made, which is I think something that should just really cause everyone to want to sit up and take some notes on, on what your comments are today. Talk about the Nokia CEO story.
7: Yeah, yeah. so, so as, as everyone probably knows, Nokia was – by far the market leader in the mobile phone space uh, with some of the earlier versions with the GMS technology. Uh, and they did um, a lot of research into smartphones and so forth, but somehow they got left behind. Um, and at a very famous press conference, the, the CEO stood up and said, so we we did everything right, but somehow we got left behind. That even oh, yeah. though they, they they kept trying to innovate, they didn't, cut down their R&D department. They didn't not try to be the most innovative, but somehow they just got left behind even though they tried doing everything right. That's what's key about, I think, looking at disruption is that it's different from the other challenges you're facing as an industry, as a company. If you're looking at being uh, Samsung being challenged by the new version of the iPhone, you you take up that challenge through better features or a better advertising campaign. But if you're Nokia being challenged by the iPhone, it's a whole different ballgame. You need a completely new technology and a completely new way of reacting. And I think that's what's interesting about disruption. Yeah, I think
2: that's a great example. I think another one, when you look at it, is how companies can miss it even within their own organizations. I think the best Mm. example of that is Kodak. When you look at Kodak, uh, some of their own internal people developed, invented, or developed or discovered digital photography and they passed it up because they did not see where the future was going, the rate of enhancement. And, and as a result, everyone else capitalized it, and now Kodak is – I mean, we remember it only for those people that still are stuck in the world of film or want to that do that on a nostalgic-type basis. I, I think there's some great examples of that, and I want to talk about that. But if you were to lay down some basic principles that you're wanting to talk about, having us understand, what would, be, what would those be?
7: Okay, so basically, I think the important
2: Well, the good news about the pond is when you go across the pond, we, the, uh, we the just oh yeah, there you are, you Could you repeat that for a minute? You you you. Uh, so so think, had a solar flare there. <laughs> go
7: ahead. I think I think the important thing is coming into this with a beginner's mind, uh, because to most people, there's the the frog in the water syndrome, where if you put a frog in the water that's cold and heat it up, it doesn't it doesn't notice that it starts boiling and dies. But if you put it into hot water, it notices, right? So, right. trying a, to come into this. That, with, yes, that's with a great analogy. And looking at this from, from the outside and seeing, okay, maybe this doesn't seem like the new thing that changes everything. You uh, heard your talk about peer to peer lending before. And it might not be the thing that changes everything, but it might be. And looking at that with the beginner's mind every time, looking at that pot of water and seeing, is it boiling from the outside as opposed to the frog being in the water? I think that's, that's a key principle. And and a lot of times it's about taking that beginner's mind and and, and potentially working with people outside your firm to try to look at what is happening and and looking at basically what are you helping people do as opposed to what is your product.
2: I think it really goes to something we're going to be talking about later on, but let's relate some of this to some of the things we talked about in last week's show. You you heard some things that were uh, innovative, and when you listened to the last week's program, talk about that a little bit.
7: Yeah, there's a couple of things that, that I thought was very interesting. You had the DNH come on and introduce that new program where they calibrate employees. Uh, basically, yes. for those who didn't hear the show, it, it's a matter of having a lot of cases that employees go, go on and study and give their answers to so that management can see if they make the same decisions in the same cases.
2: Um, yeah, it was, it was and by the way, that product was called a barometer i failed to mention that DNH is one of our newer sponsors, and I failed to mention them in the sponsor line up there but so DNH has a new product called barometer that they 'll be bringing to the u s very innovative and it 's got some artificial intelligence in there and so for those that did not listen to the broadcast last week, go back and uh, dial up through our website that that interview is very interesting but that 's interesting so when, when you Um, So that's one of the things that leaped out at you when we were there. Is there anything else?
7: There's there's one thing with that, saying that that basically they use artificial intelligence to do that. And what was really interesting was that you guys were talking afterwards about how this wasn't a threat to educators in the space, that this wouldn't hurt the consultants or the educators who go out to the different companies and actually help them get up to speed on regulatory matters and so forth. And my first thought was, why not? So if you have a, a product, like this, that actually knows where the employees are strong, knows what they need to learn. Why not tack on an e-learning component where they get to learn it right after they answered a question incorrectly or not as you would like to. So of course it doesn't take away all the the business for the educators, but for a lot of uh, bricks and mortar educators who goes out to the companies and talks to the employees and helps them get up to speed, this is a big threat. And I think that is a good example of a technology coming in and disrupting a traditional type of business, a traditional job for, for a lot of people um, and an industry in in training here. And I think that I think,
2: yeah, yeah, it's really a good point. And I want to go to Alice here in just a second with this. I think the key, what you're saying is while it, like the Barometer product, I happened to get some in, deep insights into that while I was there with them. It is not truly going to not take them out. But what it's going to cause, it's pushing the whole industry to innovate. And those of us that are in the training or the consulting side of the business, we're going to have to innovate to stay relevant to that. And, Alice, I know you have some new technologies. I don't, I don't want to get into all of those right now. But I know you. one of the reasons you sold to – you owned this company before, but you sold out to Indicom is because of the resources you have available to you to to stay on top of this innovation. Any thoughts on what uh, Peter just said, Alice?
0: Yes, I would would love to get um, Peter's thoughts on, you know, how OCR plays into the marketplace really in general. I mean, we are starting to see that when you blend OCR with decisioning and rules-based, I mean, it can really start to – improve efficiencies, and you know, we see this as a disruption in the industry because it will change the way people work. I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that uh, aspect and that d- technology as it is evolving more and more and getting more towards the front line of business.
7: Certainly. I, I do think that, um, and please don't mistake you, I think that, that softwares like these won't make an entire training industry obsolete. It will just radically change the, the the parameters for competition. And the same if you have software that can go in and, 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 and read papers or if you, you go in and use different types of software, you can, you can go in and, and remove certain jobs from create other ones. As David also talked about last time in the show with artificial intelligence, um, we, we had some contact with a law firm recently that are putting a lot of resources into looking at how to actually have a fully artificial lawyer so if, if I talk to my grandmother, she'd probably say that the safest job out there was being a lawyer. But in the future, a lot of the work, the nuts and bolts of being a lawyer will probably be, be handled by a computer program. So I think that's true through to, through to throughout a lot of the different industries like this, that um, you have these new technologies coming in, and you, you will actually see it, it, it disrupt and how it will, will play out depends a lot on the different the parts of, of, of the value you're creating for the customer.
2: It, uh, that, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm looking at the, the, what really intrigued me. You just introduced that to me before the program about how attorneys are starting to automate parts of their business. And there's some real interesting things about that. I'd love to dive into it, but I'm looking at the time we have, but I want to, and, and, and want to move on. So as it relates to innovation on training, I think it's one of those things that I know, Alice, you're doing some very innovative things in training. So I appreciate your point. Uh, that is not gonna dis- it's not going to it's not going to take out trainers or consultants, but it's it's really going to we're going to have to stay relevant to what the developments that are going on. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, you know, is this that it, uh, is all that is relevant? A highly in this highly regulated industry. One of the things that. We know our industry and other industries, I don't know if any other industry is regulated as much as this, maybe the airline industry or something like that. I'm sure others are out there, but it sure feels like it is just over the top.
6: How Mm. does
2: digital disruption fit in with this industry or any industry that is highly regulated, where we feel so much constriction and you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, and uh, it just seems to be destroying innovation?
7: Yeah, I can certainly, certainly understand you, and I do think that regulation is the big inhibitor of, of innovation. One of the, the cases that we talked about, David, beforehand was the idea of the, of the automotive industry, which is a good example of how disruption comes through either way at some point. It might take a more, longer time and it might be uh, with a different face on it, but it comes through in some shape or form. So looking at the automotive industry, a lot of people know about how self-driving cars are hitting the streets in a lot of places around the U.S. and, and other countries as well. 10 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamed of regulators passing a law letting cars drive on the street without the driver in them. So in that way, you see that the regulation is catching up to the digital opportunity. And I think we'll see that happen in a lot of areas as well. The mortgage industry might be a bit slower to do this because of the the highly politicized environment around it. But I think that it will happen sooner or later. And, And one of the things we talked about as well with the auto industry, David, earlier was When they they started introducing cars, one of the regulations that they had was actually that you had to have a person walking in front of the car waving a flag because (laughs) persons got got scared (laughs) of the the, the (laughs) self-report. I'm chuckling
5: um, because I think
2: some of CFPB's uh, regulations are about that silly. You know, <laughs> Here's, so you have a car that can move at a speeds speed, and you it, it can only move as fast as someone walking with a flag in front of it because it was scaring all the old technology at that time or all the people around that they were just afraid of it. So that was that was law That was passed. You know, let's go from that and let's look at you know something ridiculous. You know, flying cars for 70 years have been talked about, but nothing has happened. So there is uh, there is some type of balance when it comes from vehicles and something that we dreamt of and envision and, and flying cars. And that hasn't happened. So, you yeah, know, tie the yeah, two together. I, what's, what should we really, what's realistic? And how do we sort through and find out what is really realistic when it comes to digital di- disruption?
7: I think um, you talked about the Elon Musk uh, SpaceX yes. H, H company earlier. And I actually looked it up while the program was running, and it is profitable now. I think that's, that's quite interesting that you see this company, that, that there's an opportunity. You could have had somebody build a, a, a SpaceX-type company 30 years ago, being a private contractor, doing everything from ground up and trying to compete with the big, the big um, aerospace industry companies, but they didn't. And I think the reason it comes along now is because technology is at a point where they were able to go in and do it. So at some point, there's a a tipping point where the technology reaches a point where it's possible to actively go in and and deliver better value than the old competitors. And most likely, it's because of the technology involved that SpaceX is actually able to send a rocket up at a fifth of the cost of the competitors. And because the people there are very adept at at wielding, leveraging that technology. I think that's where it's interesting, not being technically utopian is thinking that. AI will solve everything, but looking at a market and seeing, okay, when are we seeing shifts happen? When are we seeing new things happen that could mean a disruption, new technology? I think for the mortgage industry, it might be something such as Rocket Mortgage. Again, I'm not a mortgage expert, but that looks like a huge step forward from a user's perspective in my eyes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are poo-hooing that app right now. They're saying... And if you've ever looked at it, it's not going to do anything. But you look at the amount of money, what really caught my attention the most, and I want to get in between innovation and advertising. It seems like if you have enough money – and certainly, Quicken has a lot of money to put behind this product, as evidence says they're everywhere. I was pumping gas the other day, and you know how they have the TV screens in America. We have got new TV screens on a lot of the new updated gas pumps, and so it up pops an ad for Rocket Mortgages. I'm trying to get gas, and I was going, dear God, this thing feels like it's taking over the world. But you know, I look at what is the difference between true innovation and then just taking kind of a cool sounding concept that doesn't, hasn't reached there and just putting a lot of dollars and pushing it out to the world. Um, thoughts on that?
7: Yeah, I think the difference is are you able to deliver the value? So the promise of Rocket Mortgage is to be able to deliver a mortgage in eight minutes. If they're able to deliver something close to that for a large percentage of the people that use it, it is a true disruption. If it's a small percentage of the people who are not seeing uh, something delivered on that promise, it's, not, it's just uh, advertising hype. But if you look at the other companies in the industry, when I research it, they're looking at the closing times, uh, record short closing times, two weeks or four days or uh, things like that, where Rocket Mortgage is eight minutes. It's a huge difference. And to the user, the value is immensely different. So going in and seeing whether, whether it's, it's a smooth, smooth process, whether it's, uh, there's some regulatory things they need to do behind the curtain, doesn't really matter for the user if they're able to get immensely high value. I think a great. Just rounding this off, a great example is um, Craigslist, the classified. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because when you saw Craigslist, all the people from the traditional classified world said, well, it's ugly. It's not easy to ser- search. It's never going to disrupt us. But basically what they did was that they provided something for free that had always been a paid product in the newspaper industry. And it massively disrupted the industry, taking away billions and billions of dollars from traditional newspapers.
2: Yep, further putting a nail in those in the uh, printed press. Uh, that yeah, you know, taking a Sunday paper and. Make it fairly getting close to being obsolete when you look at some of the things that are going on out there one of the I've got someone just wrote me this question and I'm going to run quickly around to Joe and Andy because I'm looking with gosh the time flies by you know what are the things that you think are some of the most innovative things what will we be driving some of this is is it artificial intelligence is it computer speeds Uh, someone just wrote that question I want to make sure we get that in
7: yeah I think that What's interesting is I think some of the things that are really happening is that innovation is catching up to what is technologically possible. So if you look at something like peer-to-peer lending or crowdfunding, it's catching up to something that's not possible within the last one or two years, but technically it's been possible for maybe 10, 15 years through the internet. But now you're seeing, for example, crowdfunding in the commercial real estate space in the U.S. really booming, becoming a huge factor uh, in the future. Maybe peer to peer lending, I, I'm not familiar with that. So I think the business model innovation that happens as the technology is with the technology that's already there is what's really interesting. Um, you could see, you mentioned the credit card statements coming in the mobile phone. Just something as simple as the, as the credit card, basically, it's not a technological innovation, it's a business model innovation. I recently heard the yeah. story of how that was introduced, and it's a fascinating story about how, how that is it's introduced. A long time after it was technologically possible, basically.
2: That's a great point, Andy. Let's go over to you real quickly, and then Joe, I'm coming to you right after that.
5: Andy, thanks, Dave, and it's such an honor to have you on the phone today, um, Peter. You got so many ideas, and so let, let me frame the, the 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 question if I can. So it's like you know, I'm hearing all this adapt. How to adapt? When to adapt? What kind of adaptation is needed? It's like. If a train's coming at me, I'll get out of the way because I know it's a train that's going to hit me. If it's a meteor coming at the Earth, you know what do I even do? How do I get out of the way? How do you how do you tell if it's a train or a meteor in, in that in Great that question. analogy stuff? So. Yeah, I love, that. So it's I love like, that. Like it's like what needs to be done versus how do you take the first step? It's the it's taking chaos to order or ideas to results. So as a CEO, and I want to embrace, accept, I want to act, but how do I take that first step to address digital disruption?
7: That's a great question. Um, and I like the analogy of the, of the meteorite or of, of the train. And I think that with the trains coming at you, in your, your business, it would be a regulatory matter. Something coming up that you hire a consultant, you get on uh-huh. top of that, you know it's sorted. And with something like this, my first step would be taking a step back, uh, getting somebody in an organization who understands this, who thinks this way, or an outside person. And actually, going in and, and trying to look at it from the perspective of what value do you provide. I love the concept of jobs to be done. There's a marketing professor in the 60s who had a famous saying that people don't want a quarter inch drill, they want a quarter inch hole in the wall. So they don't care what technology provides them with that. <laughs> it could be yep. a, a pencil or a power drill or a laser, they just want the hole in the wall. Um, so, going back and actually um, trying to figure out what Uh, holes and walls or what value do you provide provide to your customers? And then looking at uh, creatively and and systematically at the same same time rigorously, are there other ways to provide this value? And if you can come up with other ways to provide this value better, faster, um, more convenient to your clients, uh, then somebody probably will deliver that value in that way at some point in time. And then it might as well be you going in and doing that.
2: Really oh, good. Great. That's great. Good stuff, I love thanks. I love that question, Andy. You framed it up perfectly. A meteor train, both are life-ending events if they hit you. Uh, just one seems just so far out there. We don't. We just blow it off. The other one, we jump out of the way of. That's a great analogy. Uh, Joe got a quick question for Peter. Anything that comes to mind as you're looking at this?
3: Just just a comment, Dave, and, and that has to do with Peter's advice about bringing somebody in from outside because so often uh, we try to automate process. And it doesn't sound like that's what we're talking about. We're we're, we're talking about changing the process, not automating it. And uh, mm, yeah. and outside people probably have a better better uh, idea how to do that. Would you agree, Peter?
7: Certainly, somebody with with an outside perspective. Sometimes it could be a person on the inside. I've, I've worked with a couple of companies where there's a other executive or somebody on the floor who has who are very adept at seeing these patterns and very adept at thinking. About things through a digital perspective on what's possible what value you provide, and so forth. Um, the, the easiest way is probably to talk to somebody from the outside who who sells those services um, and who can help you map out what what your challenges are, what the potential disruptors are.
2: Uh, I love that, and Peter. You do do that, and so we're teaming up to do that here in the U.S. within the mortgage industry. I'm so excited. About our partnership and working together on it, it's very exciting. I think the things that I'm going to tell everyone to do is based at the tech conference we' did, and we'll probably spend some time looking at this again is the fact that rocket mortgage is what they're it sounds like that may be like a quarter inch drill. It's really not. What it's really doing is providing the quarter-inch hole. They're, the Millennials are about technology. That's, that's First of all, they're about technology. It's mobile technology, and they can't stand the hassle of the process, the traditional process of getting a loan. So we may sometimes think it's just the mobile generation or it's just the younger generation taking advantage of it. That is the one, one thing that's going to be happening. As far as the secondary markets, Joe, you and I track Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and we all do. I mean, we're all on top of that, but you report on it all the time on your website, I'm telling you, pay attention to this peer to peer funding. Some when you look at how much money is being raised through crowdsourcing and through excuse me, crowdfunding and resources that are coming in through crowdsourcing, it has the ability to change the world we live. I believe there's so much capital out there that it's a matter of time before we start seeing this get more and more traction. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Peter, for being a part of this. For those that want to work and get you to come in and speak, get a hold of me, please, I will get you in touch with Peter. Peter and I are working together. It's a real honor to have you here with us today. Thanks so much. It's in the evening over there. What time is it in Copenhagen right now?
7: It's just 8 o'clock in the evening here.
2: Just just a little two minutes after 8 there. Well, it's, uh, we're two, one, two minutes after 1 p.m. here in the central U.S. time zone. Uh, we want to say thank you again for being here with us. Folks, we're going to be here again next week with another exciting broadcast. We've run out of time. I'll check the website out. I'll have all the information up there. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Well, thanks for being on the show, David. You bet. Thanks, Peter.